What's going on, Trophy Kids? It is the final college football show of the season. Sad words coming out of my mouth. Before we start calling college hoops, we got Georgia-Alabama breakdown. A little talk about the world going on fire college football world with NIL and the transfer portal. We're also going to talk some other sporting news. It's a good episode. Really like it. We'll give our pick for the national championship game. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting us this season. I hope you've enjoyed the content. Um, and we look forward to bringing some additional stuff here with college hoops and NHL and UFC as we progress here going forward. So thank you for your continued support. Hope you like this episode. And let's go. Gets presented by Bad News Media. It is January 7th. We are back for the college football final show. Sad times here, but we have Dante on the line. How are we doing today? Good, sir. Doing well, doing well. How are you? Doing good. It's getting to that, that as we were talking in the pre-show, it's getting to those dog days here. It's cold, it snowed a little, so of course Cincinnati lost its damn mind. Went to the grocery store. There was literally like no produce. All I could get was like some apples. Couldn't get salad, nothing. No chicken. Really? Barely any meat. Oh, dude, everything. I don't know if like a supply truck didn't show up or people just freaked out because some snow was coming in. Like we got like the lightest of dustings, but everything was gone. It was just, it looked apocalyptic in the, the grocery store this week. And then driving home today, everybody was being an idiot in the small amount of snow. It was just like, all right, this this stinks. And then we got college football wrapping up and the NFL coming to an end. It's like, man, things are just, they're rolling. We're getting to the dark period. But then we got college hoops getting getting hot now, conference play, hockey's picking up. Conference we'll we'll transition, yep. but it is, it's a sadder time. The transition is sad for me. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that Cincinnati, because I'm assuming since he gets snow all winter usually right or no not really no, i mean it depends not really? okay. what the problem is we get the nasty like slushy stuff so like people yeah. really freak out that it's gonna be that and then when it's not you're just like well this is dumb like this is the lightest dusting of all time <laughs> um That's and people don't know how so, to handle it yeah so i went from uh you know detroit to east lansing and now i'm in chicago these are all places that regularly get snow <laughs> so like maybe people freak out right at like the first first snow but after that it, it just becomes something you live with so i'm always it it always like weirds me out when i think a place gets snow and people are like man eh, not really we don't get that much snow yeah not that yeah. much i got more snow in northern virginia than i do here in Cincinnati. now northern virginia does get people forget the dc area it is like a legit yeah. swamp so there's a ton of moisture in the air and it gets very cold so it yeah. does snow a lot there but in my family's all from the northeast boston massachusetts area rhode island so not unused to it but i came out here and yeah it's not I mean, some years it's they get they get a decent amount, but other years, like this, is the first time it's really kind of even. I don't remember it snowing before now, so yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Well, <laughs> we had a snowstorm on the first, and then we got another like light dusting a couple of days ago. So I I did I did the mistake of not cleaning my car off the first time. So after the light dusting, I'm like cleaning my car off, and then there's just a layer of ice and then more snow underneath. <laughs> <laughs> It's the layer of ice that's always fun. And this is why people check into to Trophy Kids is to hear about our snow routines oh, yeah. and how we handle it, obviously. obviously. <laughs> As I get the podcast off to a, a, a different type of road. But 
We got some things to talk about. We got Georgia. We got Alabama. We are going to talk about them. We're going to break down that game. But I think we should just chime in into what seems to be the raging debate in sports right now, and that is the opt-outs, NIL money. The world is going crazy with this. Um, and we've seen some clips, some taken slightly out of context. Some dudes, you, you, you kind of see people picking sides. And uh, unfortunately, in the day and age that we live in now with the Internet, Sometimes these conversations aren't as nuanced as they probably should be, um, and there's some nuance to them, or things get clipped that look worse than they were or better than they were. Where do you line up on all this? I mean, I feel like most Trophy Kids listeners know where we're going to line up on this, but you know, obviously the big news is Caleb Williams sort of going with the highest bidder approach. Potentially, we'll yeah. see what happens there. We got kids opting out of bowl games, and you know the hysteria that's going on with that and the changing in that area. Where are you at in all of this? The NIL deals and its effect on the transfer portal, I think, is a smaller problem than the media is blowing up right now. This is like the first or I guess like the second iteration of the transfer portal with um, the NIL rule. And I don't think you're going to continue to see bidding wars for, for players. I guess the other thing, too, I want to be – um, very clear about is if you don't think bidding war- wars for players was not happening before NIL, <laughs> you might want to <laughs> go and look back at some of uh, the more famous transfers that happened before NIL came. Um, hey, look, just look at as- Coach Fisher's comments when this whole thing started earlier. He was like, wait, we weren't already all doing this? <laughs> like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it's just more in the open and the dollar amount's bigger because now you can do it in the light <laughs> and you don't exactly. have to hide so I don't think you're going to – you're not – you. I'm not going to say you won't, but it'll be one or two players every year where you'll see this bidding war. For the most part, everyone else will transfer and it'll be fine, just like it was um, after the COVID year. So there's that. This bowl opt-out, though, I am very surprised at how – Sorry, we have – Dogs some, wanted to get their opinion in. Yeah, they got, the they've got, they got some takes they want in. <laughs> yeah. I'm very surprised by – the doubling down by some of the sports media that we have. There are 40 bowl games. If you win six or more games, you're going to go bowling, right? If you're not in the college football playoff, and even I think too, people keep saying that people are laser focused on the college football playoffs. Don't think that in our near future, there won't be a, a kid, a student that opts out of the college football playoffs. There will be, I guarantee it. Um, but there's 40 bowls. You're going bowling if you win six games. If I'm a senior and I have the chance to be drafted, yeah, I'm going to give up that extra game. It just makes sense. Football is a hard game to play, and it's too much to watch someone who's going to make millions and millions of dollars become an office worker. And there's nothing wrong with being an office worker. Both Nate and I are office workers, but Correct. that person that was talented and they shouldn't have to become an office worker because they played the Jif peanut butter bowl, right? No, so, it's completely fair. I, I don't understand it. And it has nothing to do with players' love of the game. If anything, I think it solidifies their love of the game because they're saying, I want to take my, my talents to the next level. I want to actually be, get paid more than NIL deals for this and make an impact on the professional game. I'm not going to be able to do that if 
you know, my ankle gets rolled up on or I tear my ACL or some other horrific accident that can happen. And I'm not going to say both games are meaningless either. I want to take that, you know, you go out there, you win an extra game. It looks good. Um, and you get to say we want it. So they're not meaningless. Have there has the value of a bowl game been dis- diminished? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it meaningless? Meaningless? I wouldn't go as far as to say it's meaningless. No. Yeah. It's still there are still bowl games. Some bowl games are completely meaningless. They're just a fun yes. vacation for players to get out and do something fun, and they get swag bags and gift bags and things like that. And that's it's a fun experience. It's one more one last time for the guys that are probably not going to the NFL or going to have very short careers in the NFL you know, to kind of suit up with the boys and play one last time as a team. And there are games that still have meaning, like the Rose Bowl still has a lot of meaning, but as we saw, opt-outs there. And I don't think it's controversial in the least bit to kind of just say, you know what, it's the player's choice. If the player wants to opt out, I completely back that. I'm not going to sit here and criticize them for saying, I want to protect my body. My body is my moneymaker. I've invested years upon years upon years fine-tuning my craft to have an opportunity to play this sport at the highest of levels that so few can ever achieve. And I don't want to potentially screw that up because I was lucky enough to get to the end of the season without a major injury. Because by the end of football season, anybody who's played football at any level knows most players, by the time they get into it, whether you're playing high school, you know, elementary school, middle school, college, you're banged up by the end of it. You're lucky to get out of the sport. It's a violent sport without a major injury. I don't want to play in this bowl. That's totally fine. And then if you do want to play in the bowl and you do want to take the risk, awesome great for you i hope nothing bad happens i hope it's able to play well and you're still able to go to league and make your money and all that i think the biggest reason we're seeing this just raging debate is mostly because the power dynamic for the first time has really shifted and the power dynamic has gone to kids who have generally not had a ton of power in this system they're now openly available to transfer wherever they like, just like coaches have been able to leave at any point to go to any school like they like. They're able to make money on a sport that people have been making money hand over fist on their likeness and image. And while they have gotten definitely some benefits that are great for sure, for your education, great. You know, you go to Alabama, you're dressed to the nines in gear, you get awesome treatment, you know, things like that. There were benefits, but it's not equal and you're now going to get money and you can go you know, make some wealth in college that, you know, me and you and after our college educations are still not even seeing close to that money. (laughs) Like there are 18 year old kids who are going to be making some decent money, like right off the bat. And that's great. And the power dynamic has completely shift and people are somewhat upset with that. The problem I have somewhat with it and the part that people aren't mad enough about is that it is the wild, wild west because the NCAA, once again, failed as an organization to protect the kids. There are no rules in place like you have with the NFL that you have to be a certified agent to rep these kids because they're going to have agents. There's no certification for financial advisors. There's a whole, it's just the absolute wild, wild west because the NCAA wanted to suck the last bit of money they could out of this at the level they were doing before these kids started getting a piece of the pie, and they didn't prepare for the change. And now we're seeing where kids just kind of are going to do whatever they want, and it's not they're we're not protecting them. They, they've set them up for failure in a lot of ways. And then the love of the sport thing, it, there was that clip of Kurt Herbstreit and Desmond Howard. There's a full eight-minute clip. The clip they clipped was clickbaity-ish. They went and clarified. I don't love the full statement either. I think this is one of those things like Kerbtree did go on another podcast. I listened to it. He explained it. It is, 
it appeared worse than it was what he was trying to say, and I get what he's trying to say, but it's also dumb because, well, yes, I get, like, there is the argument that some kids maybe don't love the game as much, and it comes out that way in social media. That's been the case throughout the ages. There have been kids from the start of this sport who have just showed up because they have God-given talent, and they show up and they play on Saturday, Friday, Sunday, and they didn't grind it out in the weight room. They didn't, you know, stay after practice and grind that extra film for the love of the game. That has always been the case. It's just more in your face now because of social media. Like, those kids were always there, and I I don't like that criticism, and, you know, Herbstreit did kind of clarify that, and I think it's a better statement what he did, but that's another dumb thing that kind of just robbed me up because to play this sport, there is a love you have to have for it, but, yeah, of course there are kids that maybe don't love it as much, but that has been the case throughout the history of time with every single sport. God, how many athletes have we seen fail at the NFL level for the simple storyline that they didn't work hard? Like, they just thought they were going to show up and win because that's what they've been doing their entire career. Those stories are littered throughout the history of sports. So, like, this idea that kids don't love the sport as much anymore is kind of nonsense. Yeah, it's kind of like when you go from high school to college or middle school to high school and you're like oh i didn't study much and then yeah you actually have to play and they're like oh wait this is actually harder the other thing too is you always hear those stories about those players who are like i don't like basketball i don't like football but this is what i do and this is how i get paid like correct this yeah and no like you said those stories aren't going anywhere because some people are just have natural talents and that even goes even more into the point of why i'm totally cool with opt-outs because a lot of these people to some fault of their own, because I think everybody has ownership over their life and their decisions, but there are systems created around a lot of these kids who did not, that the entire support went into your body is going to make you money. It was not preparing you for that body to fail you and not make you money. And these kids have sacrificed and gone through things that most of us couldn't even imagine to get to this level. And then to have that opportunity for their body to make them that money when they don't really have another backup plan and we, could, you know, that's like a whole other thing that we're not getting into. But yeah, of course they should opt out. I'm all for that. Why would you be against that? Like, I get it. Like, bowl games, like, I still want to watch the best players play in the Rose Bowl on Saturday morning after New Year's Eve. Like, that means a lot. And, you know, I didn't go to a football school. It probably means a ton to people who went to football schools who have really great memories around going to football games and cheering on their universities. And they want to see the best of the best play in these bowl games. But at the same time, it's a different time. You got to change with the times. If you want that, you should then be in f- for expanding the playoffs because that's going to help a little bit with that. If we're being like really honest about it. Yeah. Honestly, and ESPN and Disney has their their hands in this. Is if we could forty bowls is a lot, and there oh, are ones yeah. like New Year Six bowls. I like them. Right. I like the New Year Six bowls, and I like the wacky ones too. <laughs> but there's a there's there's a slew in the middle where I'm just like I don't want to watch this at all yep uh, um and so maybe we cut down from 40 to maybe even half that maybe like 20 to 30 or something like that it's not gonna happen because no if anything we'll probably end up getting more bowls. <laughs> yeah and i don't see espn and disney going you know what we're gonna put on the national championship for the love of the game all the yeah. money that's no. made is going right back to the schools to pay for scholarships and build out like other programs and things like that like they ain't putting it on for the love of the game <laughs> the other thing too is those New Year Six bowls aren't meaningless because a lot of times um, your preseason ranking 
is tied to absolutely you, how you performed in the New Year Six Bowl. So that's another reason why they're not. I think this is a that's um, actually a good way to transition out of this because some people are like, all right, probably get on to some other things. It's yeah, actually it's even a- better because like when players opt out that's a great experience for the next guy down on the depth chart to get some experience for the next year. Like these are great opportunities to see what that looks like next year. It's a great opportunity for a guy who maybe was on the outskirts of the NFL draft to get on national TV and maybe play a great game and really improve his draft stock for the next year or to launch them going forward or to do something wacky during your media day or whatever to help build your brand or make a connection down the line or whatever. Like these aren't complete. There are ways to look at this very positively. The media just seems to have just drummed up this very negative idea of what's going on instead of really looking at it for what it is. It feels like. Absolutely. All right, I think that's covered. I think everybody's like, all right, can we can we talk some national football? Can we talk some things here? Let's talk some Alabama-Georgia, the rematch. The line is set at three. Over, under, right now, at this point, I am looking off FanDuel for all intents and purposes at 52.5. Money lines, Georgia sits at minus 142. Alabama plus 125. Going into this game, it's a repeat. We sort of had an idea there was, was a very large possibility of this. Both teams did what they needed to do in semifinals. Georgia really poured it on Michigan. Alabama played as we sort of expected against UC. I have some quarrels with the people who are like, this is why UC shouldn't be in the playoffs because un- unbelievably stupid take on that part. Um, but what do we make of this game? Where are we at going into this? That Georgia literally has to win this game. They don't have a choice. Oh, they, yeah. Kirby's... Yeah. I, I am very concerned about Kirby's future if Georgia... Because if you're not going to win it this year, I don't know when you're going to win yeah, it. When, when are you going to win it? Because the college football world, maybe not the SEC, but the college football world is getting better. Yeah, 100%. Parody, so, parody is coming... No, it, Granted, and I saw <laughs> Colin Coward had this whole, like, you want parody when there's never been parody in anything in life. It's like, college basketball is a pretty good parody. And I'm not saying Alabama isn't going to still be awesome. The SEC isn't going to be awesome. But as NIL comes into play, as you know the transfer portal comes into play, if we expand the playoffs and guys don't feel like they have to go all the way across the country to win a championship and they can go to a school that's closer to home because the Pac-12 is now going to have an opportunity to play in the t- playoff and not have to have incredible seasons again because they're sort of the ugly stepchild of the pa- or the Power Five. And like it, as all those things develop, there, there is going to be a little bit more parity. I agree with that. Georgia squandered an uh, undefeated season when they had a chance to just win it all and make up for Georgia being championship winless yeah. in their whole, their whole time. And they, well, they led Bama the or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and in Georgia let, you know, Tua come out there and torch them. <laughs> so yeah, they have to win this. Also, Georgia is a team built to beat, Bama. Yeah. Literally, that is your identity as a team to beat Bama. And yet Nick Saban has walked all over you. The other thing, too, is that I think that for this game, it comes down to the quarterback play. I know that's like a cop out, right? That, oh, you're just saying that it's easy to be like quarterback play, quarterback play. But the Heisman Trophy winner literally wheeled Alabama to get over the hump 
of Georgia. And then Georgia on the other side of the ball, Georgia's quarterback just looked out of it for a lot of that game for the SEC championship game. And so I think um, Stinson will, Stetson will be better this time around. I don't know. I'm on the Georgia train, right? But with me being on a Georgia train, I'm not stupid enough to bet against Alabama, if that makes sense. It's tough. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, giving them three, I mean, it's it's possible that Georgia could still win this game and only win it by one or two. Like, and you take sure. the three number with Alabama. This game has so many interesting dynamics. The dynamic that you're speaking of where you sort of have to win this game, I think really comes from, you have to win it from a mentality standpoint because, like, to this point, Alabama has absolutely owned you. To the point where, like, you start to wonder when they see those crimson uniforms come out on the field, is there kind of like an oh shit moment? Because you've seen... You saw how they played against Michigan. They absolutely... I mean, you've got Pickens out here shushing the bench and then owning Vincent Gray, who had a terrible game, but which is unfortunate because he looked really good throughout the season. There was that one pl- deep bomb pass for the touchdown where he just kind of gave up on it. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Because he, there were times where he, he looked really good throughout the season. Whatever, that's it. You're there. Terrible game. But like, I made that tweet that was like, I'm not a Michigan fan, but I would hate to be Stinson Gray. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough, but like they're just they had a swagger about them in that game. They had a swagger all season and they just lost that in the Alabama game. So you do wonder what is the mental hurdle that they're dealing with trying to get over Alabama, just kind of owning them. You know, it reminds me of a lot of that kind of Yankees, Red Sox, early 2090s, you know. I think of Pedro Martinez coming out and be like, I guess I gotta just call them my daddy, like that type of mentality, and then they eventually flip the script. So I do think there is a bit of a hurdle there. Yeah, but you've been wait. We've been waiting for Georgia to flip the script at, at being generous the last six to seven years. Yeah. Right. But before that, Georgia has been having top recruiting classes for at least the last nine years. It, and that's the point that I think you brought up there, where they're kind of built for this. It's like Kirby is a defensive-minded coach. He has recruited an enormous amount of talent on the defensive side. Now, granted, I know the secondary is weak. They're also young. I do have some thoughts there. I do think they're going to play better this game because they're getting, like Chris Smith, for example, was his first game back against Alabama. He then had a month to rehab that knee. He played well in the bowl game. Like They're getting him back in the secondary. Latavius Brim didn't play at all in that Bama game. Now there are some questions about his ability to actually cover in the slot against Alabama's weapons. Right. But without Menchie in there, he adds a little bit more depth. So like I do think the, def- the defense for Georgia is going to present a different front and be better. But I do... They are built to beat this Alabama team in a down year for Alabama, an Alabama team that offensive line sustained two injuries in the UC game that we're going to have to watch there and see what that looks like going for this game. A defensive line that should be able to take advantage of Alabama's offensive line issues. A linebacking core that is fast and can cover guys out of the backfield and play downfield. A secondary that, while is weaker, is still a good secondary, but looked absolute garbage. There was I mean, a, Williams came in there and just torched Georgia. Torched them. And they attacked the seams in the, from the slot, and that they really took advantage of that, which was impressive. But it it is crazy. They better, Georgia better double Williams. <laughs> they need some safety help for sure there, <laughs> um, to say the least. Menchie being out, I think, will has a change in the dynamic. The offensive line, Bryce Young also playing just out of his mind that game. Um, he is not, not a scrambler, and he scrambled on so many yeah. plays where I, now you can't say that he's not a scrambler. Yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal. But that's the other thing, too, is like, to George's credit, 
Alabama didn't have much success running the ball. Like Bryce Young did, but the running game did not have much success. It well, was, and it's probably because they they set up to stop the run, but not right. the quarterback run. Correct. Right? <laughs> and there are I do have questions as to whether or not Bill O'Brien, who on this show I have, Bill O'Brien was a titanic disaster in the NFL, and I've been extremely hard on him. But to his credit, this Alabama offense, the job he has done in the Nick Saban coaching rehab program as the offensive coordinator, the offense has gotten better each week and it has progressed and against Georgia he called a great game but I do wonder did they throw everything in the kitchen sink at Georgia and do they have anything different for this game because they don't have as much time to prepare for this is there a wrinkle or is this one of those games where Georgia took the right hook their best shot and now they're prepared to kind of go on the counter here and I do think there is some of that here where they took Alabama's best shot I don't know how much more Alabama can do differently in this game and so I think that sets up Georgia well here to play differently defensively and and have some better success they have to because as I said in the Georgia Michigan game and I I I picked the wrong side in that but the analysis was right dude that was all time last week just like I should have just listened to the pod before I sent out my bets but whoever like that game was going to snowball and whoever snowballed first was going to win that game because both teams are not played are not built to play from behind same concept here Georgia's defense has to hold up, which I think they will, because the Georgia offense is not built to play from behind. No, that they you're absolutely right. I don't think Bama comes in with anything different for two reasons. One, I don't think Nick, Nick Saban has any more tricks up his sleeve unless he's hiding a Tua again. <laughs> um, and two, like you said, I've, I Bama gave their best shot to Georgia who's to say Georgia, if I can get up 14, if I can get up 21, who's to say Georgia can come back from that? Yeah. that It's it's the question. And, and I think the other thing that there's, the health is the dynamic that changes this from the first time because Alabama is not as healthy coming into this game as they were for the first game. They are going to be missing their top corner. Their second corner is dealing with a pretty bad hip injury. We didn't see him play all that much in the UC game, and when he did play, he wasn't as effective. You have the two offensive linemen that are banged up and injured. One left the game early, didn't come back. The other one had an ankle issue. You've got Menchie, who is now out. He will not be there. So you've got some big key pieces that are now missing for this game, and that does change the dynamic as well as I do think that there was, while Georgia is definitely dealing with a mental hurdle that they have to get over, I do think the beating you put down against Michigan, I think the Stenson Bennett making some throws in the face of pressure, taking hits and delivering some incredible balls on the deep throw, getting some of that confidence in that game. Like I said, that Pickens play, I don't know if people saw this, where he literally turns to the Michigan bench, shushes them, and then goes and picks up basically Vincent Gray and throws him. Like, that type does carry over, I think, a little bit, but it's how how many, like, how much is it is we took a step back, or took a step forward mentally, but we're going to take two steps back when we see Crimson running out of the tunnel here and go, oh, shit, we got to play them again. Here comes, here comes Goliath again. <laughs> That's the other thing, and this is more like things that don't count in the stats um, or things that we don't put in the stats is like, if you're Bama, you already beat Georgia. 
is there this mentality of we've already beat them so we can beat them again? Or is it the flip side where it's Georgia like, hey, we lost to them, but we know what we did wrong and we trounced Michigan. Let's prove to the world that we can do this. Also, there's that meme um, on the college football playoff. I mean, the college football uh, subreddit and the college football like a uh, little ball, like little meme balls that <laughs> cause Georgia the hate team. And I think that is the, um, I think that's an apt description of them. The the hate that Georgia must have for the Crimson Tide probably oh. is immeasurable. Right? Immeasurable, yes, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Um, and that is, it's interesting because. <laughs> You know, in that first game, too, Stenson Bennett, I think, took a lot of the blame. And he did not play good. Like, I'm not, not trying to well, cover for no. him. They, I had the argument that, you know, he should have been pulled and JT Daniels should have been put in. And I do wonder if he'll have a shorter leash or if he, you know, earns some some more backing based off the Michigan performance. But it wasn't all on Stenson Bennett. Like, that offensive line for Georgia did not show up. And they've recruited a big athletic offensive line, and they kind of got bullied in the trenches. You get Pickens back, he's a little healthier. But the coaching staff also did not coach to the best of their ability, I don't think, for Georgia. The offensive coordinating did not give Stenson Bennett some help. There were some things they could have done, I think, a little bit better. And then you flip the side of the ball. You know, Kirby, I've kind of called him Bubble Boy Smart, and, you know, he's changed that narrative a little bit this year. But he really went ultra-aggressive blitzing late in that game, and you just saw Bryce Young in the Alabama defense or offense sort of kind of tear that apart. And so I do wonder... You know, I, or I shouldn't say I wonder. I do think, though, Kirby's a good enough coach. Todd Munkins is a good enough offensive coordinator. That there is, that that loss, you know, you you say you your biggest improvements come off losses and what you learn from them and all that kind of cheesy sayings around that stuff. But I do think that holds true for Georgia here. And I do inspect this to be a better game. And I do like Georgia to win it. Now, to cover the three is a question that I don't have an answer yet. I liked it better at two and a half. But I do like this team to win this game, I think. I, I I feel like I'm the mouse, and I see the cheese, and I see the trap around the cheese, but I'm going, you know what? I'm quick enough. I can get that cheese. Like, I'm going to get it with Georgia here. They're going to go over the hump and win this game. And I do think that is, based off what I've kind of looked into seeing what I saw that first game, there are some things they have to change, but I, I do think this is a very this is a winnable game for Georgia to finally get over the hump. And if they don't, Kirby, you can't fire him, but it it could slide quicker for him. Yeah, he's earned. You know, yeah, it's tough. It's tough <laughs> for me. The key to this game, right? So Stinson is playing better. Alabama's defense, while good, is not great. Yeah, right. And so, if Stinson and the the offensive coordinator can spread that defense out. Georgia has not only a real chance to win, they should win the game handedly. Like you said, Stinson wasn't able to do that um, in that first show because either the offensive line or his his uh, players didn't get downfield fast enough or what have He was holding on to the ball way too long a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but the offensive line should play better, and he's more comfortable. It It definitely – I said it at the beginning – I'm going to say it. It comes down to which quarterback outplays the other quarterback. It's true. And it's funny, too, because, you know, when we talk about Georgia's weakness on defense, we talk about their secondary. 
That's sort of Alabama's weakness too. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> especially with <laughs> the bang up in the second, like their corners being banged up and not a lot of depth. It's something we've said throughout the entire season. When we've talked about Alabama not being as good as everybody has been made them out to be. Now, I do think there's been somewhat of an overcorrection where people are trying to make them worse than they are. And it's like, you know, we haven't found, I think, as a sports media, a happy medium here. But that secondary can get got. And that has been the case all year. The problem is, is when you allow the front seven of Alabama to pinch their ears back and play downhill, they are incredible. Like, they are out of this world good at it. Similar to Georgia. If you let Georgia, if you if you try to run up against that brick wall of Georgia's defensive line and linebackers, you're not going to have a lot of success. So they're sort of very mere images of each other. I do think Pickens, the wide receiver for Georgia, being a little bit healthier is is obviously good. The team, they've sort of also flipped in that. Georgia has been getting healthier while Alabama is getting less healthy. And I think there are just so many shifts in dynamics that if I really, if Georgia can't do it this year, the question really is, can they ever? In a down year for an Alabama team, in a down year for college football-ish, now I've also made the argument that I think everybody's a little bit better across the board this year due to the super seniors, but the way Georgia's built, this has to be the year. Otherwise, I don't know. They also need to go out, you know, Caleb Williams maybe needs to be the target of choice here because they really need... Not that they've handled quarterback situations very great here. Justin Fields, Jake Fromm, for example, JT Daniels, who's had some injuries for a sense of Bennett, I get it. But, like, they really... Kirby needs to really attack offensive recruiting like he's attacked the defensive recruiting. Because he's done it on the offensive line, but you don't see it kind of... You don't see the offense riddled with the type of talent Alabama has, but you do see their defense riddled with talent at an elite level. Speaking of talent and offenses do you think that in a 8 or 12 team playoff we still end up with Georgia and Bama and the only reason I'm saying this is because Cincinnati bless their soul (laughs) and Michigan both got their hats handed to them uh, in the semifinal and would adding more teams just watch another lesser team get beat by the SEC so I think a lot of years you're probably like you're probably going to have this outcome I think expanding the playoffs makes more like we don't have to wait as long for these drummings that we get every year because here's here's the stat about the semifinals right now the um, Cincinnati lost by 21. The average margin in the college football semifinals right now is 20.93. 10 of 15 games have been decided by three-plus scores. Only three games have been one scores. I think there's a fundamental issue right now in college football that doesn't reward a very simple concept that we see the NFL reward with their playoffs and other things. That in college football... In football in general, especially with how we attack training camps differently and offensive lines not getting the hang of things, we don't acknowledge that teams can get better towards the end of the season. And they may have had a loss or two at the beginning of the season that now automatically makes them ineligible for the college football playoffs. So what we get is this invitational-style thing, which these teams are very deserving. Don't get me wrong. They are very deserving. But we don't necessarily always get the best matchups. And we don't always get, you know, teams that are playing at the highest level at the end of the season 
And while I do still think that Alabama is probably going to be there most years, or the SEC is going to be there most years, I do think expanding the playoffs creates a little bit more parity because, like I said, you know, for the Pac-12, for example, it's really hard for them if if Clemson wins the ACC, Ohio State wins the Big Ten, Alabama wins the SEC. Those are three spots spoken for automatically. And then I, in before Oklahoma had left, you know, this dynamic is going to change a little bit, but Oklahoma wins the Big 12, even if the Pac-12 is undefeated, like, you know, they're not getting in. But now you expand the playoffs, kids are might willing to stay home a little bit more. They might be willing to go to a school that's a little bit closer instead of going all the way to the country to Alabama. I think it creates a little bit better. We're probably going to get a very similar outcome, but I think we get more meaningful games earlier throughout the month of December. We don't wait four weeks for the drumming that is the college football semifinals. And I think there will be years where upsets happen, just like they do in every single sport. Mm-hmm. College basketball, NFL, baseball, hockey, every single sport. There are dominant yeah. teams at every single level that don't. Patriots, exam, perfect example, undefeated team. Get to the Super Bowl against the Giants, what happens? A miracle catch, they get upset. I do think that could happen in college football some years. Most years, probably not. But I do think there are opportunities there. Hell, you see, yeah, they got drummed a little bit there. There was a big difference. But they had their chances to make that a very close game. Coaching failed a little bit. Play calling, like, why are you calling a screen third down and goal line against Alabama? Like, hell, I would have gone back to that slant. He beat him twice. He just didn't catch the ball. Like, the, the play calling offensively wasn't great. But like they had yeah. opportunities. Like, yes, I do think trying to establish the run was really Cincinnati's. Yeah, they were way too conservative offensively. I think at times, and they had opportunities, and they just failed. The offside penalties killed them, or false starts, and like they shot themselves in the foot. But they played. I thought they played a, a pretty good game. It went about as we thought it was going to kind of go. Like Alabama was going to be able to run the ball. They just didn't match up defensive line versus the offensive line. But outside of that, played good. So long answer short, I guess. I just went a really long way of saying this. I think, yeah, most likely we probably get this matchup even in expanded playoffs. But I think there's a higher probability of upsets every once in a while, better matchups, and we get better, more meaningful games that are exciting to watch throughout the month of December instead of just two games that end up being a drumming because maybe the matchup didn't make sense, but because all those teams were deserving to be there, they got the invitation to come, even though they maybe didn't match up the best, where other teams would have matched up better. You bring up a good point about the how unbalanced a upset is in the college football world right now. So if you're an Oregon, right, or if you're a USC and say USC is good, but they get upset by, let's say, a, a Miami or Ohio, then we know that they're done for the year, right? Right. But if you're a Bama and you get upset by whoever, Louisiana or uh, yeah, um, the Raging Cajuns or something like that, we'll just say, well, that was just the off day for Bama. Or even Georgia. I think they would say the same thing for Georgia. Like, it yeah, was an off absolutely. Day for Georgia. And keep pushing them forward. Now, if they lose in the SEC, it's a different It's a, it, it might not necessarily be an upset if they lose in the SEC. So right. you can make it. But for other teams, it's, it's detrimental to lose one of those games. And again, you take away the factor of, I, I really like your argument of the teams that are trending well but may have stumbled in the beginning to figure out how well they're tri- which almost happened to Cincinnati luckily they were able to avoid disaster yep um but it took them a little while to figure out what was happening. if you're a, a team like uh UCF um a couple years ago 
right? You don't give us a chance to be to even prove ourselves. Correct. Yeah. And there's absolutely back when bowl games, when people will say bowl games would matter, Boise State's a perfect fucking oh, yeah. example Boise of this. State. Okay. <laughs> like I'm not saying they're gonna win the national championship, but could they have upset teams in a expanded playoff? Absolutely. Um and yeah, the point of getting better, like we see it in the NFL all the time because of the way training camp is structured now, where offensive line play is really bad the first couple weeks because they don't get to really practice and go live as much as they used to. The coordination is off. You know, in college football, there's a very similar thing, especially with the transfer portal, NIL. Like, the moving parts on a college football roster, the new guys that are coming in who maybe had never played a snap before, learning a playbook— there can be some fumbling around the beginning of the season, and that team could look 100% different by the end of the year. Perfect example, Utah. Utah got progressively better throughout the course of the year. This is a team that had a stumble with their quarterback. They found a better quarterback who played better in Cam Rising mm-hmm. on Trillie Brewer leaving. They, didn't, they did have a stumble. I'm not saying they're winning the national championship, but they were playing their best football at the end of the season, but they're not going to get rewarded to go to a playoff and have a chance to play. Now, they played Ohio State. They played them well. Granted, Ohio State had some opt-outs, but that's a team that their backup depth is technically better-rated kids than what Utah's putting out there. But, like, we don't... Re- There's just no defense being yeah. played in that I hear this <laughs> argument all the time that bowls are a reward. Well, how about we reward teams for getting better at, throughout the season and having a chance to compete for a championship? I think that's in the best interest of the sport long-term, just like in college basketball, just like in every single sport on this planet. (laughs) So my interest in expanding the playoffs, although I think 12 teams is too many. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm an eight. I'm an eight fan. I'm a, all five get, get in the best at large, non five, and then two other teams. Yeah. I like the, I like the, I like the eight, but does cause 12 leads to double buys, right? 12 just gets crazy. There's a yeah. bit there. No. Yeah. Um, no, let, I can't. I'm that, for that's, So 12 is basically saying the top 15 ranked teams get it. Or top. Yeah. 15 ranked teams get in. Basically. So you can have some stinkers in there. Uh, but uh, yeah, the reason I like the eight is because uh, my team, Michigan State, plays in the Big Ten East. And you could easily have one, two, and three, and the Big Ten East sitting with one loss each, and that's to each other, and we only get to send one representative, one representative to the college football playoff. But that same exact, that same scenario happens um, in the SEC, but they get to send two. Yeah. So that's selfishly like why I want to expand it. I mean, in all honesty, if they want to keep it invitational, we can sit here and talk about it on the podcast. We can complain about it on Twitter. We can do whatever we want, but we're still going to watch those games. Hundred so. percent. Oh, that's the problem. It's the same thing with the NFL and their terrible refing issues right now. It's like they don't have any incentive because we're addicted. We're 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 we are we are football junkies in this country, and we are never going to look away from that product. Unless like things really go off the rails, but like yeah, if you want them to to expand the college football playoff tomorrow. No one watch this game on a 10 and watch how quickly <laughs> it expands. Yeah, but we're not going to do that because we're going to watch no, that game. No, we're not going to do that, no. But then again, this is the sport that insists on having, you know, the, the playoff games every once in a while on New Year's Eve and then wondering why their ratings dropped. It's like, well, I don't know. There are people in this country that aren't junkies and they date people that are and then they force them to go out because, you know, that's how relationships work on most scales. Now I'm lucky enough I got to, like, watch it because I wanted to. But, like, 
or people just don't care a lot. They care about college football, but they're not fans of these schools. So they're like, I'll watch it until I'm ready to go out or do whatever I want to do on New Year's Eve. Like the sport is, this is best part about this sport. This is a sport that used to crown its national championship without having the two best teams play at one point. Like the writers would get down and decide who was the best team. And that's how they would decide it based on their, they'd go to their bowls that the conferences were aligned with. They'd play their bowls. And then the writers would write on and be like, this team's the national champion. Like that's how it used to be decided at one point in the sport. So like, it's a dumb sport. BCS. <laughs> yeah. The computers. Although they've shown that the CFP, has picked almost exactly what the computers would have picked. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Go figure. Um, Go yeah. yeah. It's an interesting time we live in. Um, but yeah, the, the people want to say UC as, as you know, we get off this rant a little bit that didn't deserve. They played a good game. And then I watched a Michigan team that looked a lot worse against the Georgia team playing that. Like I thought UC was a little bit better prepared. Like they just didn't execute as well, but like they had some chances. Michigan didn't have a chance once the ball got kicked off. Like there was there was an apparent difference in that game. And there was an apparent difference in the yep. UC game. Don't get me wrong, but like they had their opportunities. Michigan fans celebrating that touchdown. Like I don't know if oh, you were on sad. Twitter when it happened. Sad. Oh my God. You would have thought that they won the yeah. college football playoff. Sad state of <laughs> like, affairs. I was like but you know what? Uh, for them, at least, they got over the hurdle a little bit. Jim Harbaugh, I guess this is a good transition. I mean, unless, actually, before I transition, I did not mean to interrupt your point. You know where I'm going next, but sorry, I did not mean to interrupt your point. I got oh, very no, excited no. I mean, to bring up the next point. To be shitty to Michigan, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I will say this. It is rivalry week. Uh, we play Michigan on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk a little Jim Harbaugh. Hardball and potentially going to the NFL is... You I, you had a great point in the text. I'll let you say it, but like it's so fun. Now, granted, he did have success in the NFL. He he got a team to a Super Bowl at one point, but I I think this is a mistake written all over. But you had a, a point that you brought up in the text about this too that yeah, I thought was I, good. So let me say this: Could Jim Harbaugh go back to the NFL tomorrow if he wants to? Absolutely. There is a team in Las Vegas that needs a coach, and there is a team in Chicago that needs a coach who I guarantee those GMs would love to have Jim Harbaugh as their coach. Now, I think if you're going to get Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to say, hey, we're going to make you coach and GM or give him some GM powers um, because he's basically running a show at Michigan. Now, let's take that. That is my Dante Freeman sports analyst <laughs> take on yeah. that. Uh, what is really happening here is uh, Jim Got his team to the Big Ten Championship, won the Big Ten Championship, got his team to the college football playoffs, scored a touchdown and a field goal, right? And the guy up the road got $95 million. So, and Jim Harbaugh just took a pay cut recently and restructured his deal. Yeah. So, let's, let's restructure this contract a little bit here. I took a pay cut and took my team all the way to the college football playoffs. And the guy up the road has been here two years and got $95 million. I think you got to pay me more. Yep. I think that's exactly <laughs> what these rumors, there is the very crafty agent that is getting the word out and about that the NFL should bring out a car ball. And like I said, he could, there are far worse options. If you're going to dip into the college football pool to grab a coach, because once again, Absolutely. hardball demonstrated he could coach at the NFL level. Now it did start to go off the rails after that Super Bowl season, 
but he did have some success. And, you know, it could be like a Pete Carroll thing, where Pete Carroll went to the NFL, didn't have a ton of success, went back to college, had a ton of success in college, went back to the NFL, had a ton of success in the NFL, and now is kind of the game is passing him by. It could be a situation like that. I do think people learn from their mistakes. They do things better. I question, you know, I don't really understand the hardball effect whenever I see him kind of speak. I, I like him, but I don't I don't necessarily get it all as to, you know, how he's able to land some of the recruits he lands and thing, but like it, he could potentially work. Like he is he a much better a good staff. That's what it is. Yeah, he's a much better option than what I saw Dabo's name getting thrown around for the Raiders to game, which would be you think you think Urban Meyer was bad. Now Urban Meyer is definitely more of a I think we can probably say it shadier character i'm going to say it for libel reasons <laughs> um but everybody knows where my mind is at <laughs> but and dabo i'm not a big dabo fan but dabo would be an absolute titanic disaster he'd be greg shiano but on steroids bad in the nfl <laughs> i just want to know what weird religious things he's going to try to have players subscribe to dude in and vegas that's and, not the time yeah. to do it <laughs> Yeah, in Vegas, they're going to be like, what are yeah. you talking about, sir? Yeah, <laughs> Hardball would not work well. Or not Hardball, uh, Dabo in Vegas. But, and I think, you know, part of that was one. I think there's a little, it'll be interesting now he's without his assistance, which we're all over the place. My brain is very scattered-brained on this Thursday. Caleb Williams thing, I meant to bring this up with the NIL. I don't know why anybody is shocked that Caleb Williams is testing free agency. They hired Brett Venables, who granted, deserves an opportunity as a head coach phenomenal quarterback or coordinator one of the best at defense that is a defensive-minded head coach you we know the oc's coming over but like you went from a guy in lincoln riley and before that bob stoops who had great success with quarterbacks and getting them to the next level you have no idea what you're getting in that program going forward why would you not as a kid who has nfl aspirations and talent great talent not open yourself up to see what else is out there like it's just it's dumb that people were sort of shocked and that he took advantage of like oh i can also make a ton of money potentially hell yeah like it was just the dumbest thing i meant to meant to bring that back like of course he is opening up himself to go somewhere else where he's going to find the best way to succeed like no duh <laughs> i think it, there's another um thing to say here and maybe i'm naive but do we not think that oklahoma and texas are not going to have like a down two years they adjust to competition in the sec i think yeah and and, i mean if you don't think that please tell me i i first of all texas absolutely yeah i mean it helps that they that their boosters who have more money than anybody in the world probably combined is setting up a slush fund where like offensive linemen are going to get a salary essentially they started i don't know if this is i i know that the the offensive lineman is getting 50k a year but i saw something where they set up like a charity called like the pan pancake charitable foundation to like pay these guys out which is just hysterical if that's what we're doing but like not the great but, but yeah that is <laughs> an interesting name for the charity to pay them um no texas is missing their jim harbaugh that's what it is is what texas yeah and their governorship They're, like the around the board for that football program is a disaster a nightmare to navigate yeah um too many cooks in the kitchen the other thing too if, if i'm if i'm caleb I don't want to go play. I mean, maybe I do want to go play it in in the SEC, but for a team that's more established, correct, right? and it's got a, a clear want... pipeline. Right? Yeah, I gotta take 
this Oklahoma team, which underperformed at times, even with him doing, he is definitely the the perfect example of sometimes even a good player, even a good quarterback can't will your team to a win. Yeah, and I mean, he had some struggles, but yeah, no, he was, they yeah. definitely underperformed at Oklahoma. I mean, heck, if Bob Stoops, like we saw in that bowl game, Bob Stoops been coaching that team, whoo, that team might have done some things. Um, But uh, <laughs> I, I, to the point of whether they're going to succeed or not, I do think there's going to be an adjustment period, but if, in, I don't know how Brent Venables is going to be as a head coach, nah. but I have hopes because he understands the type of defense you have to get and the play, type of players you have to get to compete with the SEC because he did it at Clemson at the highest of levels. So that's the only difference is the Oklahoma, maybe we'll see them shift like Oklahoma State almost from a standard typical offensive team to more of a defensive team like Georgia's sort of done and be able to adapt that way, but they have to change the way they recruit the defensive line, right. the body types they get, but but I have some hope because he understands the type of guy that you have to get defensively to compete against the SEC talent. That's yeah, my only you're hope. You're changing the identity of Oklahoma, right? Because the yeah. one thing you know about Oklahoma is they're going to put a million points on you and play no defense, right? right. They just want to outscore you. Um, under at least, the you know, under their last coach. But now you're changing everything about Oklahoma. And the other thing is you're recruiting – I guess you're recruiting kind of the same talent, but now you got to convince people to come to Oklahoma. Whereas when you're at Clemson, right? I was already, I guess Oklahoma is kind of the South, but I was already in the South. Yeah. And I'm picking up, I'm sure in the beginning, not now because Clemson is, I mean, I guess. Dabo did build them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Dabo built them up. Dabo and Brandon, that whole staff has been together the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's easier for me to convince kids like who maybe would have been second string at Georgia or second string at Bama to come to Clemson, which isn't very far from where I probably already grew up. Right. Yeah. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma. I don't, I don't even know where the university of Oklahoma is in relations to, I mean, I know where it is, but like recruiting hot Clemson was definitely closer to more recruiting hotbeds right. than Oklahoma so. was but Oklahoma's brand name it does have brand recognition and still has a a swagger about it that I think appeals to kids but it will be interesting the identity shift and how that works and there's a different type of kid you have to recruit to compete in the SEC absolutely and a different type of and it's weird to say this but I, one of the broadcasters said it when they UC was playing Alabama. The body type of the kids is different. Yes. Like, it just is different. The oh. way they're built is different. It's just a different type of athlete. That's not to say, you know, the Big Ten doesn't. Like, it, you just, you have to change. Things have to change. You can't play the same style of football. I mean, I guess you can. Ole Miss is sort of doing it. But you, there is yeah, a change that's coming. If Oklahoma wants to, to stay at the level of success they've seen, there is a change that has to happen. I do think it's going to be a rougher adjustment. I think it's part of the reason why Lincoln Riley peaced out because he didn't want to deal with the SEC. (laughs) And he could be king at USC. If he, if he hits the gold mine, that is that recruiting hotbed in California, which he could do at USC. We're already seeing it. I think I've said this before. I think the UC program is going to be turned around way quicker than people think. You are the king of the world, college football world. If you get UC back. But I do think there's an element of like, I see the SEC over there. I don't want to be a part of that and compete in that league year in and year out. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. And about the body thing, no, I know that firsthand from when MSU played Alabama yes. college football playoff. And when you asked when they were asking the players afterwards, they were just like those those tackles were two times the size 
Dude, <laughs> all uh, I could keep thinking of, I was trying to find a clip. I couldn't get the clip. But the movie Friday Night, when UC was playing Friday Night, uh, was playing Alabama, all I could think of was the clip from Friday Night Lights, the movie, when they play Carter University. The coach comes over to the defense lineman. He's like, what have you seen out there? He's like, coach, they're fast. They're big. They're dirty. Coach, they're fast. Yeah, I know. You already said that. <laughs> like, that's all I could think of when I was watching that game because I had to be like, UC had to be like, God damn, these guys are big and fast. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think, though, to your point earlier when you were talking about the college football playoff expansion is that kids and their parents, and there are whole programs available now to make your kid that type of player, right? right. As long as you're willing to sacrifice their childhood, basically. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, make yeah. That type of player. And now those players are going to, to be available to every team not like they weren't available to every team before but now more so with the nil deals and transfer portals and yeah what have you and so now you're going to see that talent spread around um across the country i do think at the end of the day to be cliche the cream rises to the yeah. top and all that stuff blah blah it blah, does blah but um you saw what you see this year i think we'll have it again um and then you know i would love People would hate it. Disney would hate it, man. But like, uh, could you imagine a, a all Big Ten <laughs> a college football playoff championship? That would be interesting. Oh, Jesus, it would a lot, be interesting. Oh, lot of running and punting. <laughs> yeah. Disney would hate that. They they would literally probably do something to nuke, yeah. <laughs> nuke that. But on the flip side, if that was Ohio State versus Michigan for a national championship, that puts asses in seats. Yes, that puts so many. Yeah, it does. Yeah, a lot of people will be like, "Why are we watching this?" I mean, we they would want to watch it for the rivalry, but after the third punt, it would be like, "My God!" Yeah, hell, I mean, <laughs> the thorough ass kicking Michigan gave Ohio State this year did not see that coming. Um, which once again, Michigan credit to y'all, they had a good season, but oof. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, it'll be interesting. I'm very. I'm, I think college football is headed in the right direction. It just it needs some guardrails. It needs some safeties in place. It needs an expansion, and I do think there are some sleeping giant programs out there that if we can just get up and going, God is the sport in a healthy place. But we're getting there. People just need to take a breather, think about it logically, and, and go from there. Um, also, the, oh, one thing I, I want to address, because um, we saw this with Jackson State, we're going to continue to see it. Um, and I hope the HBCUs and the – uh, outside the G6 or uh, G5, a group of five or group of six, however you want to define them. Um, I hope those schools benefit the most from these NILs and, and players going around. Where a player goes today doesn't matter as much as it did back in the day. Where they go matters more if they want to play for a championship. Correct. It's, right? it's Nick Saban's biggest recruiting tool right now. You want yeah. to win a national championship, you come to Alabama because even if we lose a game, we still have a chance to go win a national championship every year. That's he doesn't want the playoffs expanded because that argument then starts to he starts to lose that tool. But yes, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but where a player goes doesn't matter. The those scouts and the the staff at, on those NFL teams and what happens on draft day will not be affected. Um, like you, like we said in the pregame show, uh, number seven who you know just probably played his last game came from a smaller school you'll continue to have these people coming from smaller schools who are NFL talent. So if anything, it raises the stars of those, those smaller schools. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
I think that there is somewhat like, for example, Ali Marpet on the Bucks, mm-hmm. phenomenal offensive lineman, played D three football. So like, similar to like we say about you know teams, the cream does rise to the to the top. But I think if you play certain positions, yeah, it's probably better to go to certain schools because the players you're going to play are going to prepare you best for the NFL. But for the most part, yeah, like the we said it, I think we talked about it when um the kids signed with Jackson with uh Dion down there in, in Jackson State. One, he plays corner. He's a two-way player. He'll probably play corner in college, whatever he decides to play. He's going to be coached by one of the best corners to ever play the game. But that's a position Absolutely. where, like, yeah, the skill set, you can kind of go play anywhere. Scouts are still going to see you. If you're good enough, you put in the work, you're going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL. And what they're doing down there, what Dion's doing down there, he's accumulating a lot of good talent. And they should have some opportunities to, to break through and see what they got here in a couple of years when that talent is, is a little bit more matured. But, like, yeah, I... I it is going to be interesting because the town is going to spread around. There are going to be more opportunities. This is the whole parody in sports. Like that's a perfect example of why opening this thing up benefits sort of everybody. Is before this, no shot that kid goes to an HBCU. Guys, gonna go compete, and that's. I think that's a great thing. Like I do think spreading that around is a great thing. And again, expanding the college football playoff, we definitely can have an HBCU in the CFP, uh, especially as. Like you said, more kids stay home, but more importantly, I can go to a school that I want to go to versus I can't go there because of the facilities or we know that they won't, they don't have the same amount of like boosters or what have you. Yeah. Um, As the, as the NIL continues and as, um, again parody creeps in i think it raises again the stars especially of the hbcus where great players come out of hbcu hbcus every year it's just a little quieter we don't talk about it a lot but super bowl winners all the time come from hbcus and these aren't small college we treat them like they're small colleges but they're not small you know colleges and universities um again our vice president went to hbcu so I mean, heck, you sent that stat about the Hall of Famers and like how yeah, there Hall are more of Hall of Famers yeah. that have gone there than from Old Miss and Mississippi State. Um, right. So yeah, and I I think that it's the, it's a benefit of the sport. It is, um, the more eyeballs that we get on the sport, the more games they get broadcasted is all good. The ability to go other places because once again, Absolutely. this doesn't apply. Like five star kids coming out of high school, they have a lot of. Co- like NFL ambitions and everybody probably plays college football has an NFL ambition, but there's a lot of two star one star guys that are picking schools because they don't necessarily think they're going to go to the NFL and they want to go try to compete for a national championship or whatever, but then they become NFL talents through the development of college football and their bodies grown. But like the Alabama has an enormous leg up on grabbing those kids and other schools grabbing those kids that they can see the body type they're just maybe not the highest recruited kid coming out of high school they get them they develop them and then they win national championships with them they go on to the nfl you're going to get that now across the board as those kids can stay home and do those things absolutely so all right nice anything else before we wrap this up again it's rivalry week uh can't wait to watch that game on saturday Michigan, Michigan State. I know Michigan 
Michigan. Uh, this is basketball. Um, but I know Michigan um, has a little issue with COVID right now. Um, I hope those players, you know, stay healthy. Um, I hope they have their full roster because it's much more easier or it's much better winning when uh, they have a full roster. I won't make a prediction on the game because whatever I say, the opposite will happen. So <laughs> I won't do that. Also, next time I come on, Nate, we will be almost singularly focused on college basketball. True. So many things to say. Uh, we're getting there. This is the last college football episode. We are getting to the college basketball season. I'll have to make that transition. I already started last night because I kind of uh, – my brain in the fog that is this week was like, oh, college is like the NFL. They've got two weeks to prepare for the championship. Oh, wait, no, that is Monday. So I will That's get Monday. be ready to yeah. go for it. Uh, Big East play is starting to go the best conference where it just means more. I mean, these are all basketball schools there. We'll, we'll get it going. Uh, but as far as the game on Monday, um, go dogs. That's my – just go dogs because I, I do want to see Georgia get over the hump. I want to see Kirby Smart do it. I think they're going to do it. Like I gave all the reasons before, go dogs. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all righty, everybody. We will talk to you all next time. College basketball will be the, t- the subject of the day. So, as always, peace. Peace.